Welcome to the Super Motion Podcast. This series follows a group of creatives making a short film using Unreal Engine 5. Along the way, they talk to the best filmmakers and creatives to learn from them and get feedback on their own film. Let me introduce you, Martin. You became an animator over 15 years ago. Now you're in film visualization, pre-vis and post-vis. You've helped create huge action sequences for blockbuster franchises such as Jurassic World, a couple of Marvel movies, Fast and Furious, James Bond, the film that I wasn't prepared for when I watched it, um, and uh, Aquaman. Also in there is The Little Mermaid. The trailer for that's just dropped, and I, I think everybody's really pleased uh, with what they're seeing. Aladdin, uh, 1917, amazing film, and Wheel of Time. You've been writing screenplays for years. 2021, your true crime drama, Dead Man's Hill, earned a reader-recommended accolade on the blacklist. And you've recently completed production of your fifth and most ambitious solo CGI animated film, Prasenberg Bridge, which is an absolutely fantastic and very engaging 10-minute film created in Unreal Engine using cutting-edge virtual production techniques. It is completely engaging, and I'll tell you, I think it came across my LinkedIn, and I thought, okay, I've got 10 minutes. And the bit that pulled me into it was the match cut from the rugby ball being kicked to the bomb exploding in the air. So I was thinking, okay, this is this is interesting. Where's this going? Sound was good, music's there. And then as soon as that match cut happened, I thought, ah, I'm in good hands. And I just relaxed and watched and thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. So I think it's a good place to start. Before we talk about the film, can you describe what Previs is and what the general process is of that? Yeah, so Previs is... Um is basically the process of animating a live action feature film or part of it before a frame is shot because shooting a frame costs a lot of money and having half a dozen people kind of animate it in advance to check what works and what doesn't work is much cheaper. So I started on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as a, as a I'm not just an artist, really, but I didn't know if I was going to be any good at it. I come from an animation background, but obviously when you're an animator, you do learn about shot composition and editing and things like that. Only in passing, because an animator needs to know kind of a good overview of the entire process, even even acting. So, so you mentioned that you did this in the pandemic and looking through your films, there's, you know, you've, you've got a script on the blacklist. There was that, uh, the Nosferatu inspired, uh, the one on the boat, which was a really nice sequence. And that, um, and I think I picked up on the fact that there's obviously a couple of projects you're floating that you could have picked. Mm. Why, what was, tell me what led up to you choosing to do this story? Why did you do it? Why pick this over the other? Why, why put this ahead of the other stories? Um, well, I I knew that if I was going to make something in Unreal, uh, I want to be able to leverage the marketplace because I'm not an asset person. I had no intention of building anything original. I just wanted to take assets that I could find online commercially. Everything was bought, but I 
I didn't want to be having to make anything. So anything that would have to be custom made or designed that I didn't want to have to do. So there's an element of design to Praising Brick Ridge, but it's, it's, it's like a collage almost. There are things I've downloaded and, and bought off and, and applied things to and changed things. I wrote a short years and years ago, which was um, intended to be uh, kind of like a, a sideways look at, at the Dracula story where um, the guy who's coming to visit, he needs to be, he needs to be served, you know, and, and, and Nosferatu, uh, Nosferatu serves him this beautiful platter. And I was like, well, where's he got that from? Uh, who's, who's made that? Like he must've made it. He's the only one in the castle. So he must've gone shopping. And I had this idea, like a funny sequence already, like Nosferatu has to go shopping to the market and <laughs> buy all this stuff and learn how to cook for a human and things like that. Um, and that was, that's something that like could be done in this format. But yeah, in my mind, yeah. it was kind of like production designed a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. and I didn't really think I had the opportunity to do that. And there's almost certainly going to be, um, custom things needed to be done. Now that said, I, um, I very quickly assumed, thought that I'd be able to rope some friends in to help. Yeah. But the idea was effectively just tr pick something that I can get plenty of assets for and without going the route of sci-fi. I mean, I like sci-fi as much as the next person, but I'm not someone who's, uh, who probably fully understands the genre and it's, I think I'd be almost doing it just for the sake of it. And I didn't want to be doing something just for the sake of it. Although I was fully yeah. aware that that is exactly what I was doing. I was doing something just for the sake of it. Um, but you needed to connect with it. Yeah, exactly. But the connection is through your brother. So yes. your brother writes this book called, called The Man of uh, All Talents. Yeah. Called the Man of All Talents. Can you just tell us what's the, what is the premise of Dougie's story and, and how does your brother who worked, I think, if I looked up the right person, it, um, works national grid but he's also a sports writer yeah can you like it's the most grounded thing ever it's just not it's it's so un the whole thing is so unpretentious and it's so grounded and i think maybe that there's a something about a northern element to me i think there is i think that's that. that's me and my brother to a t really so he had written he always wanted to be a writer and as as we both did although we actually we didn't really know it at the time and i was writing my first screenplay not the not the uh not the fan script that i had written first or just to practice and this is after i'd started on jurassic world fallen kingdom this was in 2017 he was writing a book about a brazilian football team called chabecoense who died in a, a plane crash um and he managed to pitch it to a publisher called pitch so he was writing that and i was writing my script and at some point we were talking, so we talk every day and now we talk most days, we talk about writing, but back then we were just talking every day just because we do. And it came up that we were both doing some writing and then we said, oh, well, let's, let's swap and we'll read each other's work. And so we did and we just carried on that. I mean, nowadays, I mean, even if he's, if he writes an email, he asks me to proofread it and I'll do the same with him as well. Like if it's a professional thing, um, or articles that he writes, things like that, I'll always get the first look at them. Same thing with me. I've just written an article and I'd send it to him first. And so he, he wrote the book and it did quite well. And he was looking for a second subject and something a bit closer to home. Uh, and he was looking at, um, there's a, a wrestler, a professional wrestler from our village called Mal Kirk. And he was looking at, at doing Mal's story and he didn't quite see the book in it. It was an interesting story, but it wasn't maybe like, I think from what he could find full book. But while he was doing this research, Mal Kirk was known as Mucky Mal Kirk. He, he was a pit man. While he was doing this research, he found a, about this man, Douglas Clark, who lived in Huddersfield, which is where my brother lives. He was also a coal man. He was called the leader who went down the pits. He was a coal delivery man. My brother was trying to find information about him and he seemed to find this information about uh, a man who was a, a coal delivery man. He was a rugby player. He was a war hero and he was a professional wrestler. And my brother was like an, an amateur wrestler as well. 
Right. Where I was like, this can't be all the same person. And the more I found out, the more I realized it was all the same remarkable person who yeah, just yeah. lived a humble life in Uddersfield, delivering coal, even in the Second World War, delivering coal. And so he started writing, you know, started doing his research and writing the book. And he managed to get in touch with uh, Douglas's last surviving family member. And wow. um, she had a treasure trove of, of Douglas's things that he got to look at. He drove up to her house and she gave him sandwiches and tea. And, uh, oh, and, uh, and he wrote the book and, uh, and she's delighted with the book and the film now. And yeah, so it started there. And then when I was, so I was trying to think of a, a subject um, and I thought uh, like things that are often in games because that's where best assets are going to be on the marketplace. Yeah. And it, after sci-fi and fantasy, I thought war. And I was thinking uh, yeah. about like, well, what, cause war's good. It's just an action sequence. I can make an action yeah. sequence. That's what I do for a living is make action sequences. Yeah. But then I remembered about this particular exciting sequence in my brother's book. I, I, and I, so I dug out my ID for that I proofread for him and scrolled in, you know, bits of red and here and there where yeah. I have notes for him. And I, I flicked to the page for trying to try to find it and, and reread it. And I, and I could, I remembered being able to see the action as I, right. as I read it. So much of Praising Bit Ridge is like, is, is the action that I saw reading my brother's words, um, the first time I read it. And so I just sent him a message saying, yeah, can I do this? And of course he went, yeah, of course you can. Uh, I don't think he expected it to go this far. Um, but he said, yeah, sure. And then that was that. What was your brother's reaction when he watched it? And did he, did he sort of proofread, you know, was he? He read the script. Um, right. he'd read the script. Um, and I wasn't there. So I screened, I screened my first previous cut in July, 2020 to my parents. Right. It was just when lockdown ended, my parents came to right. visit. So I screened it to my parents and, and my wife, who's then my fiance. And my dad started crying, but he cries all the time. So we don't really have to right. worry about that. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't be there when my brother watched the, the previous cut. Right. And the thing about the previous cut though, is it's previs and they don't yeah. really see previs very much. Don't really know what it is. No. And there is an, an element of in previs, there's an element of being able to use your imagination, especially when you've yeah. got dialogue scenes where the characters totally, aren't yeah. talking, they're just, they're yeah. not even necessarily even looking in the right direction because I haven't got control of their eyes yet or anything, yeah. you know, so. There was an element of that. It's still not that impressive, but um, I remember I sent him a clip of, well, actually the, the poster image that I'm using of, of Douglas Clark leaping for the ball. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was the first time he saw the new kind of the new look. I remember he said, wow, on the message. And then I sent him a, a whole clip of it, like the first minute or so after I had that done. Um, and our, yeah, his reaction was positive, but I wasn't there in person to get the, oh. the full, the, the, the full effect. Um, he is coming it... to the screening on uh, next Saturday though. I was going to say, it would be nice to watch that together, to, to kind of share that moment together. Yeah. So we... I must say, I am, I'm envious of the relationship you have with your brother. It sounds like a very supportive, uh, thing you've got going there. And no, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, I mean, we've got that going a little bit, Fred, have we not? Are we? <laughs> Yeah, bro. I mean, we're not yeah. brothers. But, um, <laughs> we're supportive. I mean, yeah, I think this is, it's nice finding people that you can work with and you've, you'll have that shorthand with your brother. So we, it's clear that there was a story there. Like I said, the thing that really pulled me in immediately, which just made me settle in uh, and watch the whole thing was, was that match cut. Cause I thought that was just fantastic. Thanks. I just, that, that choice. And it immediately, allowed me to kind of suspend disbelief and and you've got throughout the film you've got these kind of j and l cuts going on where we're we're pulled in and out of what is kind of him now on the on the rugby pitch like he's he previously thinking about something and somehow and i said this to you when i messaged you there's somehow 
you're mm. just gently pulled into the situation that's increasingly dangerous. That's that's it, isn't it? It's you kind of felt like you were there rather than you were being shown something. And yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bit by design as uh, because I, it, this is their job day to day. So to yeah. start with, it's nothing particularly extraordinary. The only difference on this day is that the shelling is particularly heavy. Um, uh, so yeah, so I didn't want it to be, although actually I've hit the nose on the head harder than I intended. I had someone watch it um, a couple of weeks before I released it right. and said they didn't understand what was going on. So I I added, I changed the line. When the when the truck goes down the thing and the, the Williams, a Scottish says you don't want to be near that truck if a shell hits it that wasn't the line um i had to add that because just to make things absolutely clear but try not to hit the nail on the head completely <laughs> i um, no, i think that works it works really well because it was the right choice yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah, um, was, i was being yeah. too i was being too kind of vague before and i was there is a balance isn't there yeah, yeah and i was trying to try my artist to 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 not and the, i mean the other thing the first version of that opening scene had dialogue it had another character it had his wife in it and and there was a a lot of exposition about he's going off to war or this will all still be here when you come back and I was like I don't think I need any of this dialogue like, it, 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 can, it can be told the poster tells most of the story and that's a real yeah. poster too I changed yeah. the images mm -hmm. and re recreated it but it's based on a real poster right. um, mm. and that tells the whole story like, like you, 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 it says even says like the quote is this is not the time to play games um, on the poster like look you've got you've got to go like it's as simple as that so I didn't think we needed this this long scene of dialogue with him and his wife well no because no, when, you're, when you're in a situation you never get the full picture anyway yeah. it's always just whatever you get at the time so that that's kind of it added to the realism uh, yeah definitely there's something in it it does feel right from the off there's a you know you're in for a sort of you know someone walking onto an empty pitch it's it's a great way to to set the scene but it also it sets up the the isol sense of isolation for him there's a there's a longing for something and you're not sure is he remembering that he was a rugby player or is you know he, he used to play and he can't play anymore it has a very specific art direction to it it has a specific look it's not previs but there is an element where i think with all animations particularly for some adults there's a People are people stand off from it, and that's what I think. One reason I think people have tried to pursue uh, hyperrealism or naturalism so well. Why didn't you go down that route? What made you choose this art style instead of saying, "I oh, meta humans, everything else"? I'm going to go for hyperrealism because. Uh, yeah, we hear Kevin Smith talk about why he made Clerks in in black and white. No, he couldn't afford color film. <laughs> and I, I, I couldn't make right. it photo real. Like I would need a team, but I could do this. Um, so it was a, it was born out of necessity. Really, I didn't think it would. I didn't think I would like the look of it. I thought it was just something I would have to live with. But actually, um, it's it drove it to a place where it's actually quite unique looking, entirely by accident, really. But and through experimentation, I spent a couple of weeks in April this year when I picked the film back up. It was it was that kind of in a. Uh, stasis really from from the end of 2020 i didn't really know what to do with it i couldn't finish it on my own and so when i picked it back up in april i spent a week or two experimenting with looks that i that i thought would so effectively like, if you think like that truck that truck cost two two dollars from a website it was not yeah. it was never going to be a, a, able to go in a photo real film and so it would need me to hire uh, and i can't model it and and, no. and use and make pbr materials for it so i need to hire someone at the very least to make that truck and then if that truck looks photoreal 
then actually that sort of painterly sky that I was using probably wants to be redone. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other stuff needs to be redone. It would have just caused a ripple effect that I would yeah. have just made the, made the film never get never got finished. So was, that, was that what what you, you just mentioned that it that you kind of got stuck? What was the thing that stuck you? Was it that you you said you didn't know how to finish it, but it, was it the art direction essentially uh, that it was it was the fact that um, I didn't I didn't like the characters. They they didn't sit with them. Don't got proper PBR materials. And so they didn't sit nicely. Um, I wanted to go metahumans. If I did that, then I would have to replace every animation with a metahuman. Uh, and yeah. uh, rather than just replacing the so in the pipeline that I've got, I can I can uh, push Dougie's facial features around in Mudbox and update the asset that way, and that's yeah. that's fine. But in order to use metahumans or any other character for that matter, I would need to do redo effectively redo the whole film. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and it just wasn't an option. It's like if the, if the goal is to finish it, which the, that was the goal. There, there's no, there's no money, there's no help, nothing's yeah. coming. I just need to. I've done a lot of work, and I need to make it presentable enough that I can show people. If that's the goal, then replacing all the animation and all the characters wasn't an option. So we had to. I had to go with what I had already. Um, mm. I tried replacing the characters' heads with metahuman heads, which I'd done on a previous film, which worked okay. But on this film, because the characters had particularly Dougie has quite he's he's big like his big yeah. hands he's really yeah. out it's not got human realistic human no. proportions the metahuman head just didn't sit on him like didn't look right no. um so it's a case of working with what I had really and I didn't like I didn't like applying the cell shading to everything because I thought that some things were working quite nicely and that was already slightly stylized it's particularly the sky and the and yeah, the, yeah. the level itself um and then yeah. when I found the it's called the kuahara filter the kind of the thing that gives it the sort of painterly effect oh, um, right, okay and I liked that fine, but I didn't like it on its own. But I just found that when I used a combination of cell shading certain objects in the scene and having the painterly effect on, on everything. Yeah. And in an ideal world, I think I might not have used the painterly effect on the characters. Um, right. But that, again, that would have added, in, in, my, in my experimentation, I found that uh, in order to do that, I would have had to render every shot at least twice right. in order to get a clean, clean character yeah. On, a, on a effectively on a mat that can then be applied to, the, and I was like, "That's going to take too long." So again, it was one of those. Is um, there, are, you, are you familiar with the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Yes, I am. Yeah. Right, I recommend that book to anybody that's any kind of creative or artist. You don't have to be a writer to read that book. Was there elements of resistance to it that you not? I don't mean to not that we we find excuses, but. You know, sometimes you look at something, you say, well, it's not quite good enough and I need to, so yeah, I, I'll finish it later. And you find these reasons to start putting it off and not finish it. No, that, was, it that was exactly it. Right. That was exactly it. Uh, where, um, does it where does it come? Can you talk about that a little bit? Because it's something that, you know, someone who's associated with the team um, has been struggling with that. He's He's gone through that. I've definitely gone through that. And I think it's an important thing to discuss. And No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I thought it was worth pursuing and to be honest like i was hoping i'd be able to get some funding and my offset yeah. and my losses in the pandemic and yeah. things like that and then those things just didn't materialize and it was and i showed it to my one of my vfx supervisor friends and he said the same thing he said just get it voiceovered and put it out so then it's, then it's worth something it's it's, yeah. it's an achievement then sitting on the computer it's not anything no but I wanted it to look a certain way. I, I wanted it to look like a video game cinematic, really. Yeah. And ideally, really, I wanted it to be live action. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I'm, I'm a live action previous supervisor, formerly an animator. I've animated it because that's what I know how to do. And yeah. I can do that on my own. But it still wasn't, it was sat there and I, I'd 
when I made the trailer, in order to put the trailer together, I I kind of like hacked into the edit and stuff and picked out a few shots and, and things like yeah. that. And I, uh, when I watched it back, I was like, I think I've over noodled this now. I, it's not, yeah. it's not anything and I can't show it to anyone and it's just not good enough. It's, there's a, and I said at the time, I've always said there's a good film in there, but I, I need help to get it out, to get yeah. the good film out. And um, this was before I had the idea of adding the speech that kind of forms the backbone of the second half. The speech is real. The speech is in my brother's book, but it's not. It's from a oh, separate right. part of his life. Um, right. It's actually called the the Rock Drift Test Match um, in, in Australia. It was Great Britain versus Australia. Um, and when he talks about um, right versus wrong and things like that, they did the, the scene were badly treated as they went to Australia and they were uh, very much underdogs, but they battled through and overcome. And that was the speech that he that the coach gave to them before they went out to, to play the match. Um, and I'd, I'd remembered this uh speech and i looked it back up in his book and there was even mentioned it on a like a centenary past i think in 2014 and there was a, an article about the the match um and and i just thought that's so so good and he some, i think even the article said like it's like something from a hollywood yeah. blockbuster and yeah. i just thought <laughs> i should use that really yeah. and then i had the idea that i could get it a, a scene in at the start i didn't want to do too much jumping around but it just seemed to fit in the start i could just have him flash back as he's remembering it um and then it meant that he could recall it later. And when I added that to the script, suddenly I'd, I'd, I'd start looking and going, this needs to be made now. Like yeah. it's something that should have been made before, but now I'm like, I need to make this. And I felt an overwhelming urge that I need to find a way to do it, but I still didn't know how. Yeah. And then I, I saw the trailer for um, Richard Linklater's new film, Apollo 10 and a half, which is rotoscoped. And it, it, so it looks self-shaded and yeah. I just said, thought, oh, Unreal can do that. And then very quickly that thought went, well, if Unreal does that, then I could do it on, on two. So it's an animation term for 12 frames a second, yeah. Yeah. which gives it even more of an animation-y feel. Um, it also oh, has the whole thing on twos? The whole thing's on twos. Ah, um, okay. And it also means it halves the amount of animation I've got to do. And I like the look of things on twos. I've always yeah. been a big fan of that. Um, and it really does help animation-wise. Like it's, it's not, it's less than half the work for me, I think. Um, when I was learning to animate, I used to animate on twos and then I would just turn turn the splines on to fill in the frames in between and then just right. quickly edit those because yeah. I couldn't, it was, you know, I, I got better at it, but at the time it was the easiest way I could think of doing yeah, yeah. think of it as 12 separate drawings instead yeah. of like a 24 frame 24, animation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then it all just sort of fit and then I thought, well, that truck that would otherwise need building, it's got a cell shader on it, so... Who cares? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not photo real. Um, and it's the same thing goes with all the other assets that weren't, that maybe weren't quite up to scratch, including but the characters. The look of it is completely unified. So it's interesting because, I, again, to talk about the resistance thing, I can hear where you came over that resistance. And But it's hard sometimes to know when is it resistance? When am I hurting the project? Or when am I stopping myself releasing something good versus... You you also mentioned that moment of intuition that kind of crept in where you're you're like something's not right, you know. And if you mm. pushed too hard and released it, you wouldn't have been happy with it. Versus That's knowing it. when you unlock it, suddenly that rush of sort of energy comes in, and you're you're like, right, I'm 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 doing it. I'm this this is actually quite good. It's enough for me to release it. That's exactly it. Uh, there's there's I mean, there's two alternate endings that I tried as well. But oh, really? I, the only okay. reason I didn't do them was because. This is the ending that it always had uh, with the photographs at the end. Yeah. That was always the the original ending. So it was just a shot of him in the water. The, the slug scientist, he yeah. survived. Um, and then there's the photographs. 
Yeah. Those were all based on real photographs that we had, but we, I wasn't sure I could get the, we wouldn't even know where the rights exist yeah. for them. So I just thought, given that it's film, I'll just not, I'll just recreate them and it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was two other endings and, and, and I wanted to try them both, but it would have meant not releasing the film uh, for, for how long, I don't know. And it's hard enough trying to do this in your spare time when you have a full-time job. And the amount of extra work it would have been that would have been involved. I mean, one of them had an old, whole new environment, which would have brought my environment count to four yeah. and a whole other character as well. And I just, I was like, I can't, I can't do it. It's like it's good enough. Like it, it gets to the point. I don't need to belabor that. Uh, there's a chance I use both endings. Actually, you could use one or the other, or, or use both. Um, and um, the one of them involved another going back to the rugby ground again. And I had right. a beautiful match cut that, that, that again worked, but I just thought like, I've got the point home and everyone talks about the transitions. And I think that's why I was really keen to do it. It's because everyone's talking about the, everyone that watched it said, oh, the transitions are great. So yeah. well, I'll do, I'll do more of them. And, and at a certain point it's like, well, it's going to push, push it past 10 minutes, which is, there's no point in pushing it past 10 minutes. It's, yeah. it, it, it's not going to sustain that. And so those are the ones that got jettisoned and that's actually, actually in the script. Um, but I just thought I just stuck with my original ending and just so that it could be finished you know yeah but i mean 10 minutes is impressive i mean that's a huge amount of work when you think about it yeah for one person yeah i mean that's like you're having to produce it yourself right <laughs> here like everything yeah, you know yeah. be your own boss yeah it's uh, it's a lot of work yeah and i didn't want to have to add to that and also like it's it, i can't tell you the the burden is there's, there's a there's a, a it became a couple of times like in 2020 i was obsessed but I had to be obsessed because we were in the middle of like yeah. a pandemic and they had to have something to focus on. Yeah. But then earlier this year, as I was doing it, it the, the drive to just like get it done. And I had a spreadsheet with like tasks. That I was just like, I just got to robot through all of them. Like yeah. take that off, take that off, take that off, take that off. The And the burden, the weight of it. I remember one weekend, I spent all weekend doing spatial animation. A shot after shot after shot after shot. And I'm spending maybe an hour, an hour and a half on each one, which is not really long enough. And I think it shows things some of the animation, some of the lip sync doesn't land, but it, there's that much of it to do. Uh, and there's not a wasted line in there. There's not a, a character speaking a line that doesn't need to be spoken. And the weight of it, the 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 burden, oh, I was saying burden, not if burden's the right word, but there's a, there's a feel of like, I need this yeah. to be over. I guess it's the end of of a really, just a real long process. And I just need to be, I need to be done with this now. It needs yeah. to stop. Um, and if I allow myself, if I allow myself the indulgence of like trying out new endings and pushing back a release date and missing festival submission dates and things like that, I'm like, yeah, it's just this not is worth resistance it. creeping in, right? This is the yeah. the excuse to stop the excuse, and it, it's it's what Pressfield says in that book, which is do the work, sit mm. down and do the work, even when you don't want to, yeah. even when you can't, when you're sick of it, you just have to sit down and do the work. And I mean, it's it's a testament to the to what you've done in that you've you kept the story to be able to protect the story from yourself is is much harder, I think, than protecting it from someone else because the need yeah, that other person who's going to come in like no fiddle with it have a like you said you know put another transition and people love transitions yeah this sort of the Hollywood producer kind of you know yeah let's put another money shot in you know just like well, wait, let's I think just... this is something that every every artist struggles with is that you, when you're working you slip into experimentation when you should just be working yeah. There's a time for everything, but then when you need to get something done, you can get lost in infinite possibilities. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I did, like a, like a week or two before I wanted to release it, I, I spent a day and a half like trying out these new endings, like doing previous for the new endings. 
and and then when they when they were sort of starting to work immediately, because that first sequence wasn't like that, and that came together very quickly in right. April, because the previous version had been the one where yeah. um, his wife was in it and they were speaking right. and everything. Right. So I just thought like, oh, well, that's how fast I can knock a, a minute long sequence out, like in a matter of days. So that's fine. I'll, I'll just do it again. And then it, when it didn't all just fall into place immediately, yeah, it's like, ah, right. If I carry on down you, here. You get that confidence yeah, boost. Yeah. yeah. And then fight off more than you can exactly, see. Exactly. Yeah. This is not working as well as I wanted it to. I think maybe I just need to abort this, this avenue and, and, and get back to doing the work. Like you said. Do you feel like that on a shot level, on a sequence level or on a short film level? Or, or all of those things. Is, is there a, is there a bar you're setting? It sounded like that was happening a bit at the shot level. So, yeah, there tell, is. Talk to me um, about that. So, it, I don't. It depends how you qualify a film as to how many I've done. For me, this is the first proper standalone film. Right. The other four are all all have qualifiers to them. This right. is the first one that could get into a festival. For, right. for one. My first film was, uh, I've already mentioned Kevin Smith, but my first film was a Kevin Smith kind of fan film that he's yeah. seen and, and, and liked. My second one was a little more than an animated ident for my own company. Right. The third one uh, was the, um, was a Litia, which you've seen then sort of Nosferatu on a boat yeah. type thing. Um, and the fourth one was Black Seam, which is, um, which is a script that I've written, a 60 page script for which oh, is I one like of, that. Be, yeah, one I like of, that a lot. would be one of three, yeah, we'd one of three, like three part series. And the the teaser is just it's that it's a teaser for something else. It's not a film in its own right. So, ah, I see, because it, it's a great that that's another story that pulls you in of just the guy in the bar, very northern, yeah. you know, storytelling. But again, that you can tell your action background in the um, the sequence as it plays through is is fantastic. Underneath the the, the belly of the beast. And the thing is, like, it's really good. Again, that, that I'm, use I'm of... super proud of it. It's as issues. Like, I don't like the lip sync again. The lip sync is a real problem. Um, but I am super proud of it. But it's not. It's not a piece in itself. It's no. intended to be something. It's it's meant to be a period live action yeah. drama. So it's just it's got that qualifier to it, which Praising Bird, yeah. which doesn't have. And yeah. so the next thing, I don't know. Um, I I mean, I'm entertaining ideas of of doing a live action feature. I'm trying to, I've got an idea of how to contain one so that I can actually get it made in the same way that I had to contain Praising Rick Ridge in order to get it made. So I'm thinking now about writing pieces rather than me having to contain Praising Rick Ridge after the fact and and, and pull it back into something manageable, actually creating something manageable in the first place that, that can be made. The thing that was on a blacklist, for example, is an eight part, 1960s set true crime drama i mean i can make that uh, there's, there's no there's no there's no version of that, that i can make on my own no. um so but uh, so the next i'm just i'm trying to make sure that the next thing that i put my attention to is something that Makeable. can be made and and as designed to be made you know do you think you might change your opinion of that like in the like in the future do you think it might be something that you actually realize Actually, unless it's something I don't think I can make, it's not worth making. Mm. Maybe, uh, maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I know that like that's that that true crime drama is the other thing that I was obsessed with in in the lockdown period, and I started writing that then as well. And it does mean a lot to me. I I, I want it to be done. If it has, if it's going to get done, I want it to be done kind of right. Um, mm. And uh, every time I come to, I've got like an unreal scene for it that I keep sort of teasing myself that I might make something. And so far, it's a bit of poster, and that's it. And I, and I don't oh, know that I'm going to go the, any further. Someone holding a gun as yeah. a car going off through like a cornfield, yeah. and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that was good. It's, it sets it up really nicely. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask, what I want to do is spin this around. So one of the reasons for getting people on um, to the podcast was to understand, you know, how you work your workflow and then kind of turn it around and get all the insights we can and all the advice. Maybe your advice is don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you mad? I'm more interested in kind of cinematography, camera, that side of storytelling. And I thought, well, I can't do a thing till I've done a thing, so I should get something going. So talking to Fred and a few people on the course, like, who wants to do something? A few of us came together and said, look, we're all into sci-fi. We did the same thing you did and said, we're all into sci-fi. Should we go there? Because we had a mix of um, a few different skill sets on the team. And then the funny thing that happened was we, Fred in particular, started playing with Midjourney, the AI uh, image generation thing. And we were working with a, a traditional concept artist and he's, he's still with us on the team. And Fred started getting more and more out of this. You know, we're having a session with a concept artist where we look at a few sketches and then Fred would kind of go, oh, I've got these 60 images I did in about two hours. And we just look at all these wildly different robots and things and, and suddenly we saw one that made everyone say, oh my God, that's it. That's the right... And, because the AI isn't a concept artist, you have to fill in the gaps. Mm. You're like, well, what is that? What is that glass thing there? What would, and that started this very natural conversation about, oh, how would that work? And okay, that would need to be a plant system. And uh, the Fred produced an image of a of a house. I did so see it, but I've watched the trailer. Oh, did you watch the trailer? Yeah. What did you think I of mean, the trailer? If you've seen the trailer. That's that's. What did idea. you think of the trailer? <laughs> I liked it. It's a good idea. Like I said, and there's, there's a joke in it that made me laugh as well. What was the joke? I can't remember. Oh, about the oh, we, I've also oh, been told to say NFTs metaphors. and metaverse, yeah, which is yeah, I think <laughs> that's very uh, very cutting. Yeah, just uh, sneak that one yeah. in there. Yeah. It's um, I don't, I've not everyone noticed it, but I did a, a loading a little loading screen when it talks about Unreal, it 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 freezes and it it it's waiting to load, and it, that oh. was a little that was a little dig at shaders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I think everybody that was watching that thought there was something wrong with the video at that. Point. Yeah, but it's it you can see then what we're kind of trying to do. What I'm already learned from what you've said is we need to be careful of kind of scope creep and scope kind of where creep it's going. Is exactly the word I was about to use, yeah. Right. I scope creeps myself on this. What would your advice be for like a general workflow? How soon would you lock the story down? And being a previs guy, is is previs, is storyboarding essential? Do we make this film twice? Do we make it once in the animatic, in the storyboard, and then we you know, we, we bring it to life. I don't know if, um, what I was cautious of is a similar thing. Obviously, I, as I said, I didn't want to make the film twice. I'd already made it once. And if I was to use the new characters, I'd be making it again. I don't know if storyboarding um, counts as making it twice. If you're using the right uh, people, you don't necessarily need to have uh, the world's greatest storyboard artist to just be able to effectively do a graphical shot list. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I want this shot and I want this shot and I want this shot. And just a little thumbnail, just make sure you've kind of got what it is that you want to do i didn't really do that i did on my first on my first print for the script i went through and i thumbnailed all of my little ideas for each shot just as they came up in the script um and some of them are exactly as they are now and some of them just wildly changed as i experimented with things um so i don't think you need to make it twice i think storyboarding is not a bad idea um yeah. when you're a team because everyone wants to be on the same page yeah. um yeah and, but you can do an element of storyboarding in unreal and there are tools you can get to, to do that as well epos i think it's yeah. called isn't it? yeah, yeah one i of think them, so yeah. yeah um and but i don't i say i don't because i'm working on my own i didn't bother storyboarding except for a few thumbnails and i would go in and I'd just 
get the previews working. But I'm surprised because it really does look like you storyboarded yeah, the does. hell out. Of it it. Does. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, but it's very polished, like very deliberate. You Thanks. Know? It's my job, though. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, I create, creating shots all day, every day. Um, you really, see in your mind, you know what you're going to get when you see. I it. see it's exactly, like a good yeah. photographer. You, you, they know the, what yeah. the picture's going to look like. Sometimes not... it doesn't work when you see it in motion, yeah. though. And the same will always go with storyboards. Sometimes I'll get storyboards um, that have been signed off and, and I'll see them and I'm like, actually, that's not, I can see already because I see things in motion because it's my job that that one's not going to work and right. I'll need a solution for that. Yeah. But I still have to kind of make it and show it to the client. It's like, look, this, yeah. is, the, this is what it was, but it's not going to work for these reasons. And that's perfectly understandable. Sometimes it's just the set, like the story artist doesn't got the physical set. Yeah to work with and so she's like look, you can't get that shot in this set so we have to do something else yeah. um so i think if you're working in a team it's probably worth doing at least a thumbnail pass and and, and but probably no more than that i enjoy it anyway yeah exactly yeah i think, yeah. I think process it's i think when you're working in a team you need to communicate but you didn't obviously need to show anyone you just needed to just yeah. get cracking, exactly right? that's yeah. exactly it, yeah but i think the main thing is um for me i would don't be tempted to use Unreal as a renderer, I was, and I can't say this to, to enough people, um, it's easier to do your layout in Unreal than it is any, in anything else. Like, it's much, much faster. Um, right. Make use of mocap, um, get, the, get the mocap into Unreal, start laying out shots when you've got your shot list, start laying out the shots. You can even do edits, really easy to do edits in Unreal um, as a master sequence, and you can really start to, I've had it worse, because the, the fun bit for me is when you sign to what those things together, go, oh, I need a shot, I need an over, yeah, yeah, over yeah. a shoulder. I'll yeah. just go make one and I stick it in the edit and I'm, I've not left Unreal yet. And, and I can sort of see it starting to work. There's some imagination involved because you're not going to get it exactly right without having some animation and, and things like that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you just, it's kind of a sketch at the minute, but to get that. So that's sort of phase one and it, you know, that's the, the loosest bit. Don't do any animation in my, I've not touched my yet. Um, just get right. it all into Unreal, get the, get it all work. So the sequence works, show it to a few people, make sure everyone understands the logic, the story, the geography, and then you can start rendering them shots out and get them into your, whatever your conventional editing packages. You are going to want to do that because the effects in Unreal are of a, of a generation, a spawn point. And if your spawn point is outside of your edit point. So let's say there's an explosion in Praising Bit Ridge and I don't yeah. want to see the actual explosion. I'll come into it a few frames later. Because it comes into it a few frames later, it hasn't triggered the explosion. So the, you know, that shot uh, doesn't yeah, have I've the explosion. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you are going to want to render this full shot um, and get all that stuff in and then put it back together. But you can export the EDL or whatnot from Unreal yeah. and get it, rebuild it in Premiere or yeah. DaVinci. From then on, you're working in those. And so anytime you iterate a shot, um, you'll re-render it out, replace it in the edit. I didn't start doing any any actual animation in in Maya really until I had the edit locked, and I mean locked. Mike was already working on the audio; he's working on the score. Like uh, so, I, it, it was locked, and, it, and I and I rendered it with eight frame handles on either side, and I animated it. And then when I got a note from I to a friend, and he said, "I think you're cutting a bit faster at this point here," yeah. and I'm like, "No, I can do about that now. I ain't got any frames to open it up, so it's yeah. done. Like it's you know." What would your advice be, particularly? given your experience in working in previews, should we then assemble and edit as quickly as possible and use that as the, as the center for, for everything? Is that the thing we need to keep coming back to all the time? If I think 
You mean what I think you mean? Do, are, you, are you describing the idea of creating the entire action that you can then drop cameras into? And then because you've got the entire action laid out, like for example, an explosion going off, it will always go off at the same time. Um, is that what you mean? Yeah. So, you, yeah, if the whole thing plays out and then yeah. you can, you can. Uh, My just... advice would be don't do that. Right. Okay. Why not? Why? Why? Because that's not how, that's not how films are made. Like right. they don't do that on set. Um, you know, you you yeah. But for me, I have an idea of what I want in a shot, and if it means I've got to move the truck to where it's not supposed to be just to get the shot, as long as it doesn't jump out in the edit, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's literally how they make films. Like yeah. uh, this. First, my first question to my supervisor when I started on Jurassic World was exactly that. I said, do you do you do that? You can do what I just yeah. described in Unreal, but you can yeah. do it in Maya as well. Because um, that's how I'd been doing stuff. Um, and he said, no, absolutely not. Uh, that's not how I want to do it. We, we they don't do that on set. You know, they've got an idea. Yeah. If they want this shot of this character doing this and they get that and then they'll set up for the next shot and each shot's a setup. So I might reuse setups multiple right. times, but the minute, that as soon as I can, I want that to be a standalone piece of action because I might want to go, actually... That explosion is going to look better if I move it here. But if I move it there in this shot to make that shot look better, it's now broken five other shots. So this is this is this really the, helpful yeah. for an, another reason for me, which is I wrote a thing that was like thirty seconds long, just for the sake of doing something in Unreal that was like felt would have felt like a teaser. And then I've met these two actors, and the more read throughs we were doing, the more it was expanding. And I was like, let me just re add a thing because i think we need to flesh out this character and now it's yeah i think the, the script is like 11 pages but i was thinking with that one it will just be two meta humans kind of walking through the ship and, and then i'll put the cameras where they need to be but are you the suggestion from you sounds like with that film and with and with the group one we're doing the better thing to do would be think about it as the as the beat or the shot level and then work in in unreal what work in like um in in layers or something and just have each layer, uh, so each each shot is a level sequence. As a level sequence, yeah. yeah. But so I don't be, I don't be too literal about what I, about what right. I said. So my first first point of call, I'll put as much of the action together as as is feasible. Right. So, but I just won't break my back to do it. Like if it's gonna be a pain to get this bit of animation tied onto this bit, well, if there's a cut there, I can already see where there's gonna be a cut anyway yeah. in my head. And you have it on the storyboards, yeah. then don't bother. Just start a new, just start a new bit of action. Um, and so, yeah, it's like you might have. I'm trying to think of a right. I, no, so, I, so that that Jurassic, one of your previous for uh, Jurassic World, for example, where it comes, uh, the there's a dinosaur that bursts out, runs past him, and it bursts out of that sort of like a cell. The prison, yeah. The yeah, and it knocks its head on the thing. Yeah. So you, you, we have to see it from inside, and then yeah. there's that sense of action as it impacts the door, and the door comes up a bit, and then it hits its head. And I think there's there's two or three cuts in that. Mm -hmm. But it, so is that sequence you? How many? Like, where would you have redone so the, the animation of of Owen jumping up, grabbing the bars in that shot? Is this completely separate bit of animation to Owen walking out of the? walking out the thing in two shots later. The Stygy Moloch probably was one piece of animation bursting out um, and you get all get as far as the, the the bar, but then I knew that I had to animate that separately from a different angle. So I I animated it from the camera angle, roughly the camera angle that I was expecting it would go from. This so is you, two shots and it's two completely separate bits of action. You've rebuilt the set completely or you've used it in... No, in... so the set would be the same because it yeah. comes from a separate asset. But the action itself, my action, I mean the 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 dinosaur and Owen and the door and all the other stuff, um, will be 
So this uh, is one shot here, and then you've yeah. that's the bit of the film, the, the the cutaway, and then this is a separate bit. So they they you've worked on them kind of separately. It's not yeah. the case, and the this is my thought: is the took advantage half an hour, like. right? Because the advantage, the temptation is to actually make a sequence where the dinosaurs bursting through the door, and then I stick a camera here, stick a camera here, and I cut it. It's just not. When is that a good idea, and when is it not a good idea? Uh, in Praise But Ridge, um, like when they're having a conversation in the truck, um, I I think I let me get it right. Did I do this? It was a couple of years ago. Um, I recorded the dialogue. I think myself yeah. doing both actors. Then I put the mocap suit on and I acted out my dialogue. I, mean, I didn't yeah. just do it randomly each time. I acted out the dialogue because I'd got the dialogue together, so yeah. I could respond. Um, and I recorded those and it put those in to the truck and had the truck go along the path um and then every shot uses that as a base but if i need to right. move the move all the action or if i need to tweak any animation things like that then i'm doing it on a i'll do it on a shot by shot basis and when right. it came to do the final bit of polish and lip sync each single individual shot gets exported each time so i animate just to the camera that it's designed to be seen from just for those amount of frames so that when he cleans his goggles, for example, which is a, a lovely shot because he takes the mask off, he says, you know, bloody mask, takes mm. it off, starts to wipe it with his finger. And then we, you cut down, um, it's, you know, we're looking up. Looking, sort of, we're, we're attached to the goggles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, is that, was that, uh, oh, you made it and you thought, I wonder what it's like if I just whip a camera down there or you had that shot in mind. No, it, so it, that, that was one of the problem shots I had earlier this year when I came back to it. I right. never quite could make it work. Because it's it was going to involve. I'll tell you, this is a this is a way of getting around something. If I had, had a shot of him holding the mask and 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 cleaning the the lens, it was going to involve some cloths in because that mask is cloth and it's going to be hanging there. Right. And I was like, I really don't want to. I really don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a shot of his hand cleaning it, but I, I couldn't. It, it was going to be. There's a lot of tactile features about that shot that was going to be a problem and i was never really happy with it and then i had the idea of doing it i think i've been watching better call Saul, uh you know and it's a lot of those cameras attached to things uh, ah, yeah really nice. it is it is shots, very much like, like up that. on cranes yeah. and in tats uh, and yeah so I'd, I'd been watching that and um and i just thought it'd be cool for him to wipe away to see us to wipe away the thing because also the problem is trying to get across the idea that he's he's struggling to see and if we can't, so we've got one shot of him seeing what, what he can see. Yeah. But it's, I'd start it'd be nice to be able to see through the lens and actually see him clean it and then see the difference in what he's, what he's done, you know? That's thoughtful. It is very thoughtful. I, I love the fact that you got that from um, something like Better Call Saul because it, there's, these, <laughs> there's these nice close-ups. So we got the, the German point of view through the, through the mm. thing. We see what he sees. And now there's this sense of, you know... He's uh, got clear vision. Yeah. Yeah. And he just yeah. needs to clean that off but you get this nice you know extreme close-up and then we pull back out to this that i don't know why that was such a striking moment in there but it completely fits it's it's sort of it's out of place but it's completely in place yeah um yeah the juxtaposition of the lens as well it's that's a long lens on the close-up and yeah. then really wide on the on the mask so it's you get in that kind of yeah and this, i know this is going to sound weird but that's one of my favorite shots in the whole thing <laughs> like the the cutaway, the the fact that you cut away from here to black, essentially, which makes sense as the mask goes on. There's a, there's a sudden sort of blackness which makes sense with the mask, and I I just 
these this shot of just pulling this out again this was like the match cut this was when i needed to know who you were because i was like who the <laughs> fu- who made this because this is not these are not accidental shots these are no. this is someone who understood this shot is this is exactly the shot that's going to work um yeah i think that's great so just to just to kind of wrap it up we've taken up a lot a lot of your time martin but um any sort of what should we be doing next? Where are we? Where should we be focusing? And uh, what, have, what haven't we considered? Yeah, what haven't we considered? I think certainly, uh, obviously, making sure the story. Um, I, I think the most important thing. I get comments about Prisonberg Ridge about it was reviewed on a thing called Completely Machinima, and they'd already reviewed a film that was on Short of the Week, right. and I got rejected from Short of the Week, and they said that they got lost in the film that was on Short of the Week uh, quite a lot. They weren't sure where they were at times and they co- commented about that on Prisma Ridge saying there's not a single point in the film where I don't know where I am or don't know what's going on. That wasn't always the case. Right. I, I have I, I've test screened this extensively right. uh, amongst friends and amongst um, so amongst film friends and amongst friends who aren't yeah, in yeah. film. And tell me honestly, do you understand what's going on here? And as I said, even to the point where just a couple of weeks before I got a comment about uh, not knowing what was going on and I'm like, right, well, I've, I've not gone far enough then in, it, in it, making sure that the characters are explaining without being overly expository yeah. exactly yeah. what where the danger is and what it is they're trying to achieve. Yeah. I, I would just, just test it over and over um, and new sets of eyes. Yeah. So don't, don't exhaust it all at the same time. Yeah. And then the first group of people you show it to should be film people who are going to be able to give you really good constructive because none of people might might be able to tell you that they got lost but they might not have a solution but film people tend to do so they'll at least have some suggestions that you things you might try so as you get in as you go on expand that field of people you're asking for for input right out into effectively then into finally into layman's ask your mum ask your mum last yeah yeah right well they might be something that the film people might not you still need need their you still need their input but they're they're gonna you don't want to be doing is trying to fix things that they should just write the start because there might be bigger things that that they're just not that that makes sense yeah because quite a lot of times like i'll i'll if we're watching something and i think there's been like a weird so I watched this one the other day and there's a really weird cut. I can't remember what it was. Really weird cut. And I was like, well, that, that was weird. And I look around at the wife and it's not, it's not. Not, not, not registered it at all. Not registered yeah. at all. Yeah. No, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Right? If it doesn't, it's done in me scene. I'm overly sensitive to these things. Um, For you, the so rest you know, of the film was completely ruined. But yeah, I think do that. And, and the other thing to avoid, um, it, in fact, it's funny you mentioned it about the first minute and it's by design in the first minute of the film where there's a lot of shots, there's quite a lot of establishers and it's intentionally designed to be peaceful and um, slow because when we get to the, after the first transition, we're going to go to the battlefield where things are much louder and hectic and cuttier. But one of the things that I struggled with here is making sure that there's enough story in these shots to justify their existence because what you get a lot of time with the, especially in Unreal, you can get the beautiful, gorgeous environment for for next to nothing on the envir- on the marketplace and then stick a camera in it and call it a film and it's not it's a film has to have a story and yeah. um the i love the pacing i thought it was yeah and it's by like, design it, but it is it is encroaching on what i would consider like there's two the shots are too long and there's not enough going on it doesn't quite i mean i mean i was quite intentional as to what i'm doing but yeah. What I find in a lot of people's work, especially the real-time filmmakers working in real, it's very easy to just let your camera, just let your edit run on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, 
it's it, unless there's story there. So you sort of guitar solos are great, but not ten minutes of just a guitar solo. Exactly, you know, you're exactly have, that. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. So yeah. yeah, that's one of those things where it's just just because you can generate the imagery really cheaply doesn't mean you should. I think the the last question is we're kind of going the other way from you. You went into the industry and then you learned what you needed to learn to make something for yourself. One of the big reasons we're doing this is to is is kind of almost like a calling card to say you know we wanted to want prove that we because we're all looking for sort of jobs <laughs> afterwards was is that i don't think people normally do it this way but you know what are our chances you know never tell me the odds no no <laughs> uh, i mean just the way the industry is going i mean it's um i mean if you make make something and, and it'll, it should be able to get get you work if it's good like it's you know and that includes i mean you know environment work fred like things like that like, like the people are in demand everywhere so it's like you just you need a portfolio and and that's it that's, you're in yeah i, I would yeah. say so this is i mean this we're trying to make this as yeah we're trying to explore some stuff the ai thing we're exploring is you know is an interesting one um how do mm. we build that into the workflow that's not a thing that's been done but it's certainly something that's sped up large parts of this film we're often surprised and fred's just i guess sort of prompt engineering and now we're looking at well, what if we take something out of mid journey, put it into um, Dali, and take that out of there and put it into stable diffusion? Then mm. you know, what's the ideal way to get this close to? I see. I see the use of mid journey is like making paint. It's like you, you make art with paint, yeah. but you need to make paint first. And this is just us making paint. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, um, it's. I don't think it's like you can consider it just art on its own. It's just the fact that we're doing so much yeah. with it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it can generate definitely. I think it's. I think that's a good way of thinking about it, a good way of describing it as well. I have used it a little bit just to tinker in more than anything, but yeah. Because um, it's interesting. I mean, it's never been done before. Yeah. That's the really yeah. weird thing. It's suddenly so powerful. Mm. And yeah, when I was a kid, I knew that technology was going to get better, but I never knew it would be this good. Yeah, and, yeah. and getting exponentially better every day as well. I know. I mean, what if what if this is like the future of food? I just <laughs> ask an engine, like, make me a tasty strawberry pizza, yeah. and, and it yeah. will just do it. Earl Grey uh, hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, uh, what, Martin. Thank you very much. Can I? Can I? I'll put you on the spot and say, can you be one of the people that we can that can be our, our film savvy of people course. that we of can course. send this to to say. Where do we where are we going wrong? Um, no, of course, absolutely. Thank you, man. Yeah.